and welcome to Writing About Dragons and Shit, a podcast where two authors and a writer get together and talk about the ways that they tell stories. I'm one of your hosts, Trevor Bettis, your resident writer and podcaster from such shows as I'm going to podcast as Difficulty Class. And with me each week are two amazing people who are. I'm Erin M. Evans. I'm a fantasy writer, best known for the Brimstone Angels saga and the forthcoming Empire of Exiles. Yeah! I'd like you to know we're all making meaningful eye contact, and I waved at the camera. And yes. You, you, yeah. And, and <laughs> okay, I saw Aaron laugh out of the corner of my eye, and I, I wasn't sure why. <laughs> yeah. It made me miss Champions of Lore, guys. Aww. That's true. It's uh, it, uh, it's uh, well, two things. Uh, B. Dave Walters. I am first, uh, literally Aaron M. Evans' biggest fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, like literally. Um, <laughs> it's true. Second of all, they sent me a very nice bottle of scotch, and I just want to say thank you, Trevor, and thank you, Aaron, and I love my friends, and uh, I'm doing Sober October right now, so I can't break into it, but next week, if I'm making no sense at all, you'll know. If, if I'm over It'll here, like, I'm, like, I'm like, wait, kind of. listen, listen, no, listen. <laughs> so, may, Listener, you, listeners, I love you so much. I love I just, you so I just, much, yeah. listeners. I just, I just want you to know I'm so mad about George R. R. Martin because I'm sad about George R. R. Martin. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, and this was because you because you finished Black Dice Society. Yeah. Yes. They had a stream. It went for uh, almost two years. It's 59 episodes, 59, three hours, 60, actually, 60, yep. 180 hours of that story. So that's Hell uh, yeah. which was like, like really quality storytelling, really well done. And you made it all the way to the end, which is a great feeling because most D&D campaigns fall apart long before that. Oh, way before Correct. that, yeah. I mean, uh, not, o- not only did we have a long run, we got an ending. And so that that in and of itself is a blessing because I've been a part of a lot of projects. I'm looking at you, G4, that didn't get endings. So uh, I, I, I kind of plugged that one up the best that I could on Invitation to Party. Uh, here I got to wrap it pretty much like I liked. So it was good. It was fantastic. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. However, this is, uh, uh, I, I have something uh, that I would like to talk about. I'm oh. stealing Trevor's idea as a seamless redirect here. <laughs> There's only two weeks left until Empire of Exiles is available in a store near you. Yeah. Although, yep. although I already know you pre-ordered it because we've been talking about pre-ordering oh, it for months. So guys, it's gonna, I have these. It's gonna I be at your in... house in like ten days. Ooh, they're oh, bigger than God, I thought. the art's so cool. I made them big. I was like, uh, okay, we could do like postcards. You could frame eyes. those. We could do five by seven. So, so you know, we're losing track once again of the fact that this is an audio medium. Uh, mm. She's got some some. Uh, what 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 are I'm those? Not are losing promo tra- cards. Obviously, what are we? Every, all these people these listening have already gone to Twitter and seen. The awesome post she's made. Yeah. You know what? I I need to actually post a picture of these. Um, but that is I, I have one on my phone I can do. But yeah, so uh these are some uh art cards, some character mm-hmm. cards that I had uh the wonderful Ivy Lee from Codename Entertainment so Codename good. Entertainment, who does all the key uh key art. Um, which someday I will get key art from Ivy because that's my dream now. That's my dream. Mm-hmm. Something I, I made. Too, well, I this too is have yet to experience of, that, yeah. Right? She started doing this stuff, and we were kind of like through the that part, and it's like, 
I need another character because I need some IV key art. I'm not so going to lie. There may have been someone IV. in a meeting at some point that was going, hey, we should do this for like previous characters, you know, like Aaron or B-Dave's they, characters. They, you know, they, they, they talked about it. I haven't seen it finished yet. We'll see if it ever happens. That is true. Wait, which characters are those the art of? Uh, this one is, so this is Quill, who is mm -hmm. the uh, star of the cover copy, as I put it. He's the one uh, who gets to be the main character because he... Uh, falls face first into the inciting incident. Mm -hmm. uh, and really, you need one character in the cover copy, otherwise it gets kind of bloated. Uh, this is Amadea, who is the uh, uh, the mom friend character. She's the one that's kind of holding it all together, but she's got like a lot of secret past. And this is Eni, who is way more powerful than uh, she really has any interest in being. With is that ink. is that the pot the 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 ink the the ink mm -hmm. yes press right I, I don't want to say anything and accidentally spoil anything it's not that i don't know the words i do uh, <laughs> i just don't want you to be like they don't know that thing and i'm like oh, okay yeah, she's uh, an for, ink specialist for folks that do want to see these and maybe you don't have a twitter account yeah. i'm gonna link uh link. in the description <laughs> a, specifically to the tweet that has this i will uh, post so the tweet with the with, with the with the pictures of the printed cards again i was like i'll just do it right now so they can run over and look forgetting this is again not champions of war <laughs> and also i made these these things so uh these are like these stickers ah oh, it's so cool um because this is the silly backstory uh the this is the first time i've ever had a book that has a dramatis personae in the front which i was conflicted about because i find often when i bump into this i go oh no this is going to be a lot um, but it is handy for a reference. You don't have to read it first, but there is some stupid jokes in here. <laughs> and one of them is the thing on the bottom, which says, Bjorni, a horned rabbit skull. Uh, so I posted this on the Dungeon Scrawlers Discord, the first page, saying, oh. I have a dramatic persona that's never happened. And they immediately honed in on Bjorni, a horned rabbit skull. Like, what the hell is that? Um, so I posted a scene with Bjorni, uh, which is a, a horned rabbit skull that the bone specialist carries around with him and insists is his pet. college all over again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I made these stickers out of it because in college I took uh, zooarchaeology, which involves drawing a bunch of bones. So That's I had awesome. a, uh, I have this binder full of pictures of animal bones that I drew and uh, I can't throw it away because I love it, but I have absolutely no reason to keep it. But I had a picture I drew of a rabbit skull, so I uh, inked it and colored it and put stick of horns on it, and I made these stickers. That's so cool! I didn't I mean, know that. I the backstory to, to keep it, but yes. And the back has a picture of the book and the ISBN, so you can order it. Hey. Um, I'm delighted by these. This is one of those things that uh, I don't think when I did Brimstone Angels pre-order swag was really a thing. Um, and also, I'll be honest, doing tie-in. Um, and getting permission to make stuff like this was always a little tricky. It's a lot um, of hoops. Because they own the rights to everything. And the way this goes, uh, I own the rights to these things. So I can be like, hey, I would like to purchase a commercial license for some character art. And then, I don't know, maybe stick it on some t-shirts or something? Mm. Mm. I did make myself a shirt with, with Bjorni on it because I saw <laughs> the stupid so rabbit skull so much. <laughs> uh, I, I'm telling you, you're going to get people getting the tattoos. It's coming. <laughs> I would love that. Soon. I've never had, I will say this, uh, this is not obviously substantive, but in talking about sort of the, the jokey writer's uh, bucket list, bingo mm -hmm. list, 
right? I've never had someone get a tattoo of something mm. for my book. I have had them name a pet after my characters, but not You've a kid. You've never had a tattoo that you know of. That's mm. true. I feel tag me on social media for that uh, they might but, not have social media. but maybe they, they, not they probably mention it but then they might be all like awkward and be like she's gonna think i'm a creeper just because i have havilar across my, my back and like well, a full okay, scale portrait yeah this is the question like is it somewhere sensitive where you would be a little bit of a creeper that's different but a back tattoo please show me i'd love to see that so this is the part where I just make a point not to turn around and bend over anywhere on the rest of this <laughs> yeah. I just, you know, I'm just really into Havilar, okay? But but, uh, but B Dave, you were in the middle of stealing my idea. Uh, <laughs> you know what? But that was that was my transition back to you. you see that? That was the alley oop. That we, we just Harlem Globe trotted that thing. We Harlem so, Globe trotted it. So we thought it would be fun because we we've talked about world building on the show before and we've talked about Aaron's book a lot on the show before. So why don't we talk about both of them at the same time? Ooh, uh, Aaron has been putting out stacks. Aaron has been putting out these absolutely amazing threads on Twitter uh, that is uh, explaining parts of world building that she has in her book. And so I thought it'd be fun to, you know, Aaron, you talk about it for a bit. And then as questions pop up uh, in B. Dave and Mindset, we will ask them. Okay. So where you want to start? we like things and additionally <laughs> stuff. Yeah. I'm going to start actually in a kind of a weird spot, which is why this does not break the rule of less is more 110,000 years of, what is it? Oh, for a thousand generations. generations. No, there we go. A thousand Thank you. generations, the Jedi were the peacekeepers of the old Republic. Listen. And then I say, nobody cares about your 15,000 years of back, uh, backlog, right. uh, backstory. Here's the thing, though. Uh, you are a master of the craft, so you know how to weave that type of thing in that it is not expositional vomit at the top and of the story. This is what I wanted to hit. Is in case anybody's listening and going, hang on a second. She has posted five Twitter threads full of world building. How is that not breaking that rule? And it's not for a couple of reasons. One, uh, this stuff is not all in the book, mm -hmm. like in the first book. It is stuff that is touched on um, and occasionally where it matters because to me world building effect is what affects your character in the moment mm -hmm. right and so there are things that affect me in the moment that maybe have roots in something deeper and it's maybe worth saying you know hey um when i walk through my town i might pass a world war ii memorial right that's different for the real world because we all know what world war ii is right yeah. but mm -hmm. if i have to invent world war ii to establish there's a, a monument there, um, that's fine. I don't need to explain everything. I just need to brush past it because my character is not going to delve into it. Mm -hmm. I need to give you enough information to couch it. Now, the other piece is that this book, in a lot of ways, is about history, right? It's about what came before and what we remember and what we forget about. Because history is a story that we tell ourselves about the past mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. And that's, you know, why it morphs so much from generation to generation, what we remember to talk about. Because in a lot of ways, we're telling a story about who we are right now by talking about, you know, what happened before in the way that best frames that. Mm -hmm. um, so the history actually matters in this book. 
And still, I am not going to explain what happened over the last, it's not even 10,000 years, because this is actually a thing that I occasionally find frustrating with fans. No, I always find it frustrating. Like, when you tell me nothing changed in this world, Thank it's been the you. same for yeah. like thousands of years. Yes. Like, please yeah. look around. Please look around, right? Yeah. It's been a hundred years. It's been a hundred years in this for world. 8, years. Wow. Oh my yeah, God. Is... Do you guys know wow. how, how long the actual lifespan of most empires is? It's not very long mm -hmm. like yep it, 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 things change things change and they don't hold together which is i don't spoil things this might be where this is going anyway <laughs> i mean um jericho <laughs> is the longest continually occupied settlement on earth and it literally got attacked by god so you know that's, <laughs> that's how far <laughs> Okay, you've had a good run. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Get a little uppity here. Let's get you. <laughs> no. That's true. Let's, let's, bring, let's bring you down a peg, Get Jericho. a little uppity. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that is an Only exciting I am incident in a, in a number of Bible stories, honestly. But it's like, you just get a little uppity. You know? Gotta, oh. gotta bring you down a notch. Yeah. And, okay. So, that is one thing. Like, it is it is how my brain works in a lot of ways to kind of come up with these like side things, but it is important to sort of say, here are the slices you need to know. Um, it is a book which is heavy on world building in a sense, like that is what you're coming for because it is the genre. And even still, uh, I was asked to tone it down at, in places and I did. So like, just, just, you know, for those of you working on your own epic fantasy, like it is a balancing act, um, but less is still more, right? And if you're not writing epic fantasy, if you're writing something, you know, uh, you know, there's different subgenres of fantasy that need more or less of this kind of set scene setting. Um, and in particular, like, you know, the more you're relying on this world, the more we already know how it works. Um, so you don't have to explain things. Um, if, if it's all brand new, there's a lot more you've got to explain, but doing it quickly and deciding what you're going to make weird is, uh, part of the skill. And I think also, you know, you can sprinkle it through there. Like, I mean, yes. again, take the Lord of the Rings, which is a ubiquitous example where they were like, I saw a white city word. Was that city Minas Tirith? Okay. And then they go there and then you're like, oh, it's Minas Tirith. And then they leave. And then you come back again <laughs> and it's like, remember Mina's Tirith? Well, here's some more stuff about it. You know, like versus yeah. when they're still in the Shire, if Gandalf was like, all right, pull up a chair, buddy. Let me read to you from the Silmarillion. Yes. You know? I think that is so important because it is so much like your world building comes from the story and it comes from the characters. So when they move through the space, when those things trigger, you know, to to stop and tell your reader, that's a good time to do it because they care in that moment. Nobody cares about Minas Tirith back in the Shire. It doesn't matter. It matters when we're like right there. There we go. That's the thing. Okay. So as part of the prep for Empire of Exiles, uh, I was told to be better about social media and think of interesting things to post. And this is something I thought of because I have been blessed with some amazing maps. Um, so Francesca Berald did the maps for this book. Uh, they are gorgeous. I will tell you guys, wanna hear a funny story? Mm -hmm. When they were talking about doing the cover for this book, they said, we wanna base it on a map. We want the cover to be maps. And I was like, is that really what you're gonna do? 
Like I, I've had some lovely maps, but they are very, I, I think of them very much in sort of a like single color kind of experience, right? It's like, oh, it's black ink on white paper. It's red ink on white paper. Um, And so like, is this going to be eye catching enough? And then I saw the first pass on the the big world map and I gasped. So I did good. not know what it could be. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's amazing. Um, and honestly, that map looks way better for the fact that uh, she added lots of little things, mm-hmm. which is part of, I'll actually kind of just go there. I don't know. So wait, do you guys have a... Uh, here, I'll send you this so you can see this map too. Okay. Because that seems. It's also available on Twitter for those that want to see that. That's true. It's on the. Everybody stop. Go to Twitter. <laughs> Follow Aaron M. Evans for a lot of reasons. <laughs> God, this map is so, so Okay. Cool. This is the map of the world, as far as anyone knows. Um, this map is meant to be something that is done by a cartographer in Samilla, which is all the way over here on the left. And this is sort of the known world before uh, the catastrophe that ends most of civilization. Um, Here's the thing I love about it. So everybody that's labeled here, those are the people that made it. Those are the people that made it to Samilla. Because what you have is a series of events where these uh, shape-changing monsters Mm -hmm. arrive and sort of seize on our, well, they start out in Kiraj, which is kind of there on the top. uh, And you have something like, the first illness, the the intermediate period in ancient Egypt, where like basically there's already some tension and then this happens and shit gets crazy, but they pull it back together. They clear these out. They're like, that was fucking weird. Um, but they think it's, this is a local problem. Right. And then they hit again over in the, where it's marked the lost lands of the Ronku, right? The Ronku are already in deep shit. They're already having problems. So the the changelings appear and they seize on this and they basically collapse the civilization and they flee. They start fleeing south. Um, The changelings follow. You have this pattern of these shape changers basically coming in, destabilizing the civilizations and the refugees fleeing. And everybody slowly moves toward, (laughs) moves away from them and ends up on this little peninsula way over here where they have run out of land. Uh, fortunately, Kiraj makes it over there and they're like, yo, we've done this before. We know a couple things. They hate salt. They hate iron. And so uh, you have the lovely salt wall, which is made by a bunch of uh, basically wizards sacrificing themselves. Like salt? <laughs> yeah. It's like salt and iron and dead wizards, uh, which is like a separate thing. And they can't get past alternate that. title for the book. For the record, that would also keep me out. <laughs> You're like, no, thank you. So this is the thing. There are 10 protectorates that make it to Samilla. So all of those are labeled on the map. But if you look, there's like a lot of land that's got like kind of boundary lines and like maybe roads. And these are places that were lost. Mm. Because the one thing that I really find interesting is especially if you look at like ancient maps and you, we have a tendency to talk about like people taking big areas, right? Yeah. But there's lots of like really a lot of these sort of kingdoms are very small. And there are lots of places where there are people who lived there that maybe weren't quite as dramatic as their neighbors and so that you don't know about them but you find these remnants of these people um who were there who just didn't make it um or who you know left separated Mm -hmm. out uh and i find that so interesting so one of the things i said to her when she made this was these are the 10 
This is about where they were because I'm not going to lie to you guys. I did not make a map. Mm. I'm not a map person. That's fair. Although now I am a convert. Um, <laughs> so I was basically like, this is around here. These people are neighbors. And then I said, like, there's a lot of land that's places that just didn't make it. And I want to make sure that's there. Um, I, I have a quick question that's not quite world building, yeah. but just curiosity. How, like, you know, in your head, you had these, like, okay, these are next to each other and whatnot. You kind of had this foggy image. Mm -hmm. How much did, like, this, like, kind of line up with that those points in the fog? Pretty good. I basically, like, sent her uh, a drawing that was blobs. Oh, I, I'm I, like, I, this here, that's blob. That's how I start maps. This here, blob. This here, blob. Uh, and and she, she interpreted that. That's um, fantastic. And and I you know I gave her notes like oh Elogia's so, in the mountains. So what you're saying is maybe she's an ink sorcerer. Maybe, <laughs> maybe maybe she's an Aaron sorcerer. Maybe she can read Aaron. She's an, <laughs> an Aaron whisperer. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. So like I mean I think this is amazing and uh, she did a really phenomenal job. The, she's also the one who did the the Samillo map that's. Uh, north of it, or not north of it, above it. Mm -hmm. There's no north in uh, tweets. Um, <laughs> and I also loved she did the 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 decoration around the outside, and I, she's done a lot of really great maps. Like uh, I went to her website and I looked at things, and so when she was talking about what do you want to see, I was like, I see you do all these cool illustrations. Um, so what we have here are, and again, this is done in sort of a Samillan style. But it is an interpretation of three of the protectorates, sort of wisdom gods. So on the bottom left, this is Ainamwari, who is the Datongu wisdom goddess in her swan-drawn chariot, uh, which she uh, flees, steal she steals the tablets of knowledge from the demons. And uh, that right there was something I made up because I said, oh, there's murals on the roof of the... They maybe cut a lot of this because they're like, this is too much information early on. Fair. I sprinkled it later and I moved some of it to the sequel. That's what you do. Mm -hmm. I was like, this the, the Imperial Archives, which is where most of this takes place, is basically like the Smithsonian of this world. Yeah. So people are fleeing. They're bearing with them their precious items. Um, and then people who have this magical ability to sort of talk to worked materials, um, they're at a certain level of this ability, they are specialists, right? So I could be like, oh, this glass, and I can tell you like, you know, oh, what kind of, um, you know, maybe I could be able to tell you like, where did the silica come from and what kind of additives are in it? And uh, what's the, I don't know things about glass when I've had half a Negroni, you guys, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's fine. Or um, you have the keenest insight into the glass. <laughs> this glass is called Charles. <laughs> uh, it likes, it likes uh, cool fall nights, but it does not like going in the dishwasher. It's very lonely and dark. Um, so yeah, anyway, so the idea is sort of like, this is a place where these things can be sort of taken care of in a sort of, in, in a uh, in a material sense mm -hmm. and, and protected, but they belong to the protectorates still. So they are like, there's also people sort of handling the like checking out your, you know, if you want mm -hmm. the flail of courage for a ceremony, like here it is, it's been checked. All the wood is at the right kind of level of, of humidity and it's not cracking and all the rubies are attached. Take it home, uh, sign it out. We're all good. But at any rate, 
why was I telling you guys this? <laughs> world building. That's world building. Yeah. Okay. So the Imperial Archives is the main source yeah. of this because the because, idea oh, is Oh, you were like, talking about the Lady in the Swan carriage. Oh, Lady in the Swan. So I was like, hey, this is a, a place where like the history matters. So on the ceiling, there are these murals. There are these murals that are painted by artists from each of the protectorates sort of depicting um, some element of like history or knowledge or something like that, right? And so these are characters from those. So the idea of Ainamwadi, the snake-tailed wisdom goddess in her swan-drawn chariot fleeing the, the demons of the hells with the tablets of knowledge is absolute bullshit I made up because it sounded cool <laughs> in a painting. And that See, is like... That. And so this is the thing, like I, in one of these threads, I said something about follow your heart world building. And that's the thing, a painting like that just needs to be badass. Yeah. But now, okay, I have a goddess who's like, fucking stole the no tablets of knowledge. I will be getting those back, thank you. Mm -hmm. Very Inanna, very like, yeah, like, no, not fucking around with this. And now I have a touchstone. So when I have a character who has the Tongu and ancestry, this might be a story he's carried with him. So when mm. he sees my badass archivist Amadea bust in, you can be like, she busts out like I am Wadi through the doors of hell, right? And you've oh. seen this picture, and now this is a useful detail, and it tells you something about this character. He's in touch with this part of his ancestry, his culture, like, and also like she's a badass because Swandra Chariot are mm -hmm. the doors of hell. Right. So, okay. So that's who's on the bottom. And then on the other side, on the right, you have the crow winged daughter of the Black Mother Forest, which is the Borsian's version. Because for Borsia, uh, you have to go into this forest that's like sentient and uh, past trials, and then it will give you magic. Right. But there are these sort of terrifying uh, spirits, which the Simulans have interpreted as basically like a harpy uh, that you don't want to piss off. Warzians have a lot of bird mythology, I've decided. So, <laughs> And then at the top, these are the Karaji wisdom spirits, uh, Alatet and Jutabai and Faceron, uh, who feature frequently in Empire of Exiles. They have, she's got a, Alatet's got a lioness head, uh, Jutabai has a peacock head, and then Faceron, they have a uh, scarab head. Oh, very cool. Scarab cool, head? Like, yeah, just, like the head, just, just the head part of a scarab or the well, whole head's a whole beetle? So I was definitely picturing, like, Kepri, like, the whole mm -hmm. beetle head. Um, mm -hmm. But when I explained, when I told this to Francesca, she basically gave him a head like a beetle. And I like, what I like about this is that this is a, a map drawn before the uh, collapse by people in Simila, right? Mm -hmm. Or, like, right after. They're, like, basically, like, let's write everything down before we forget it. Yeah. And so they're like, oh, you have a god that has a beetle head. Okay. So they've totally misinterpreted it. Um, <laughs> it's like that thing where you see it's like a Swedish taxidermied lion, and they've clearly never seen a lion before, oh, so they put it together all wrong. <laughs> I love stuff like that. We're yeah. like, here's a picture of this thing that someone has been told about that is like way over there, and they don't really get it, but they're trying really hard. Like where they're using their base of knowledge and saying like, ah, it looks like this, I bet. And and that tells you so much, right? 
Um, in this case, it tells you a small thing because if I say beetle head and you go, ah, oh, the head of a beetle, and then I go, no, no, the, the head is a beetle. Uh, that's only a little bit that I know about you now. So one of the things I wanted to ask is you, you've been saying a lot of the, the names of these locations and whatnot, and I was wondering what how did you come up with those like were there oh, real world influences or did you just <laughs> i mean a little like for some of them but honestly i don't remember so um you, let me just insert one <laughs> tiny thing i always yes. pride myself on my names and like making it really profound or mean something or it's an allusion yeah. to something or a word from a different language probably 50 percent of the time even i forget what i was talking about right? like, <laughs> i'm like i, I assure you this is this. profound yeah right mm -hmm. i did make you know, for some of them, it was like something that there is an influence of. Like Minsei, the three kingdoms of Minsei, three, four, four kingdoms of Minsei um, had uh, Scythian and then also three kingdoms Korea. It's a little different because there's four. Um, and I know Minsei was something in Korea, was related to something in Korean. Um, mm. And then, so I do that, I do tend to do that is I tend to say like, you know, I'm going to pull pieces of this culture and this culture and this culture. And this is sort of the overlapping point that tells me how to sort of mix them together. And so I'll decide something like, okay, this language has the uh, the the letter choices of this language and the uh, the subject verb object structure of this language and uh the whatever sometimes there's an interesting quirk. I know Nahuatl has a really interesting uh quirk about what goes first and that I love but that's not in this that's a different book that I messed around with you but, uh <laughs> you bring up an interesting point because I know that yeah. you have a background in anthropology mm -hmm. um so for any of this did you approach it from well, these people are coastal and being a coastal people means certain things about their culture. <laughs> these people live in the mountains. And by extension, I know that yeah. that means X, Y, and Z. Or was it the other way around? I, you know, honestly, it was sort of like there were, so, so not every one of these is equally represented in the text, right? Like there's basically, you, you meet people from all of these you know, who have, this is a hundred years later. So yeah. nobody in this book has been to any of these places, mm -hmm. right? Which is another thing. Like at one point, Eni talks about the fact that like she understands, you know, what the canyons of Orizand are because it's so important to the Orizandi, this, the, the, the way that their kingdom was laid out. And yet she's literally never been there. So it's this weird ghost memory that she has, right? um but you know everybody kind of gets gets touched on and for some people like that means like you know you you in the same way we have certain things we say and we don't really know why but it comes from like a root that was more obvious and and mattered more back down the line um totally the the stupid answer i have is uh so there's a place over here called the Pashantana Kingdom and the Pashantana, uh, they made it and then they got kicked out because they were assholes. Um, the Ashtabari who are close by are the same kind of people and they are, there's a little guy there who's got octopus legs. So that's my bullshit answer. The octopus people live by the sea. Um, <laughs> although the Ashtabari are from the estuaries uh, and the Pashantana were not nice to them. But, um, but yeah, so there is some of that, right? Like, but but in general like um you know it's an interesting thing right because it because i i said many times through this process like you know it's been a hundred years mm. everything has sort of like in some ways 
there's it's a melange right but in other ways you still hold on to things and so there's this idea of like if you are you know going to be borsian right like what does that mean now a hundred years from being somewhere where you Mm -hmm. you had these rules and this way of living and this touchstones like what is it now is a different question and so like the other map that's on here the map of samilla um that's in like the first tweet like two up you know, one of the things they said, like, well, where are the borders of the protectorates? And like, they don't have borders because that's one thing. The duckle authorities, they don't have territorial authority. They have cultural authority because the, there's no sense of like, you can't be here to also be, you can't say, oh, you can only be Orizondi and Bakama, right? Because that's the seat of the duckle authority of the Orizondi. Um, like this, this is sort of where a lot of the this is where the you know the the rezas meet this is where a lot of sort of important cultural things happen mm-hmm. um but you can live in pentina and that's fine okay here's a thing that i'm going to a secret that i'm going to tell only you tangerinos <gasps> and my co-hosts uh in talking about names i have the best bullshit bullshit way that i came up with the names of these and i wonder at a glance can you guess how did i decide on the names of the cities of samilla Say the names again. Uh, okay, so I'm gonna send you the. I'm gonna send the the picture of it too, okay. because sometimes I find that I have to read words in order to actually process them. Yeah, okay, I went to the one so, above that I couldn't see. It, yeah. Okay, so now open that back up. Mm-hmm. So we have oh, uh, okay. Ar- Arlobeca, Sestina, Terzanel, uh, Shadorma, Regale, Tornada, Isefa, Ianga. Makama, Bailina, Cizura, Prodelision, and Pentina. There's also Gantanis, but that's actually the outlier. The outlier. There's something there. Like, as you were saying, though, I'm like, there's something that's <laughs> ringing a bell here. <laughs> I will I, say uh, there's a couple that, that I think are more of a giveaway than others. Uh, I'm wondering, Dave, um, can you catch it? I mean, now you're looking at me. Um... <laughs> I, I mean, are I, these I Latin know. root words? No. I mean, because Shizura, because of course I was like Tornada and Regale. I'm okay. like, well, these are these I'm going to say the one that popped in my yeah. head. Are these pastas? <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, at at I first think... I was like, it's weather. And then I was like, Shizura. And I'm like, oh, it's Latin. Um, the ones that are the biggest, I think the biggest giveaways are uh, Sestina, uh, Prodelision, Cesura. Maybe Terzanal and maybe Pentina. Um, some of them are are definitely more obscure, but okay. So so what is it? What's what's the through thread? They're all poetry words. Oh, some of them are not from like Italian or or English. So they're like yeah. Hyanga um, is specifically a Korean poetry word, and I don't say if I can't remember, but it's it's definitely from an African language. Um, but I started because I named Sestina. When I wrote the the framing story, it starts out and I say Sestina right off. I think I put it in the byline or the the like dateline thing. I just um, want to note for for the tangerines yeah. that are that are looking at this map right now. Uh, the, there's, a, <laughs> there's a little dragon down below I the saw wall. Also, like the little dragon. And I'm all, like, all, what all I hear in my head when I look at him is just like, "This is my land. This is all me." I'm like, "Let the wing, let the wall down, and let that friendly dragon." In. So this is what 
I love. So like all the little things in the sea, this is just Francesca filling mm-hmm. it out. Right. And the first draft of this, um, she didn't, she misunderstood that there is a peninsula, right. That there's a, there's an isthmus before Sestina. There's a little spot where it's narrower. And so that was like a sea dragon. And I said, that has to be land. This isn't an island. It's a, it's a thing. That is the most amazing thing I've ever heard. I approve of this. I thought it was like, though, it's like a dragon dance. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like that there are many enemies down here and they're all a part of this dragon group. changing shows show up. They all shape change into parts of a dragon and they're like, yeah, the Power Ranger song starts playing and they form like Voltron. I immediately went to lion dance 100%. So this is this is another like follow your heart bullshit world building story. So I wrote this line. Rodolfo Duke Carazzi spends five days in solitude at Sestina with only the garish birds in the wallpaper for company before his younger brother finally visits. I like that line and I was like Sestina is the name of a poem structure, right? And I was like I'm gonna have to fucking change it. And I didn't want to because it honestly I kind of hate naming things Hmm. Um, because I want it all to sort of stick together. And I was like, okay, maybe just for now, I'll leave it. And maybe I just lean into it. I'll just make a list of poetry words, right? I think that's great. And then I just Mm -hmm. kept going. And I've only had one person be like, hold up. Did you do this? Is that what's going on? Um, And I think it helps that like, you know, uh, Shadorma and Hyangya um, and Isefa and Bailina and I think Makama are all not from poetry forms that we're used to studying in mm-hmm. North America, right? They're they're a little more more obscure from that that uh, background. Mm-hmm. Um, so it sort of obscures things. Arla Becca is I don't even remember what an Arla Becca is um, off the top of my head, but I do know I was like, ooh, that one sounds good. <laughs> nope, definitely a win. Yep. 100%. This is my favorite cheat. Oh, yeah. It's old Ossetan lyric poetry. Oh. Nobody you know, can catch you at this guy. A, Steal it. A, a guy with a beret and an ascot <laughs> is going to show up at one of your signings and be you like, I'd like a word with you, madam. I'm going to say congratulations. You're you're in the very small, exclusive club of people who've noticed. <laughs> I did this, I'm, honestly. I'm going to go oil my elbow pads now on my blazer. <laughs> <laughs> my actually my favorite cheat for making a group of something that feels coherent and cohesive because that Mm -hmm. is the hardest thing when you're making something up with brimstone angels uh i named a couple of irenees and then i realized i made lorkin say i have 75 sisters basically 75 half sisters and i was like fuck that's a lot of half sisters so i went on i'm um, getting close <laughs> I mean, I went, uh, you're not done counting, really. yeah. <laughs> right? Right? I went on Wikipedia and I found a like a list of Greco-Roman battlefields, and I just mm. went down and I was like, these sound good. And the ones that were like, you know, things I thought my readership would absolutely recognize, like you know, if it had said Sparta, I would be like, no, I can't yeah. have Nerys named Sparta. But I found like, I mean, it's a ton of names. So we made this spreadsheet, and I just kept track of which of them died. And by the end of the series, I didn't come up with 75. I definitely got tired before that. But I came up with a lot. And I ended up using all of those names because I killed a lot of Irenees, like a lot. 
And the only person who caught me was my friend who uh, has a doctorate in Islamic history. And she said, why is this Iranese named after the uh, the medieval capital of Persia, Sitefisidi? She's the one I can't say. It starts with a C and it's CT and it's great. I love her name. Um, <laughs> she's like, why did you do that? I was like, because all of them are. So yeah. like. Like that's that's my cheat. It's like make make a big list of names, and if you can I, I make love a big how many list, name spreadsheets you have. Because like it's... when I was doing a stream one time doing <laughs> Divinity Original Sin two, I was like, Aaron's in the chat. Aaron, I need a Dragonborn name, and she's like, Let me get my spreadsheet. Let me get your spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah, like figure out what's the base rules for this. Because honestly, that's the kind of world building shit that I feel like just trips you up. Yeah. Like, oh, I need to think of a name for this, and I'm like. Two hours later, you finally pick the perfect name. But if what you're looking at is not the entirety of the internet, but an Excel sheet that you made earlier, it's a lot easier. Mm -hmm. It's fair. Okay, yeah. what else? Yeah, what? Where, where else? Where else do you want to hit? Well, well okay. Let, let me ask you this: What? What is on this this big old map? What's one of your the like? What? What's one of the one of your like favorite like world building things that you did in here? Favorite world building things that I did in here. Um, I have a special place in my heart for Karaj because it's, I mean, it's got other influences, but it definitely has a lot of Egypt in it. Mm. But I like, I like the Black Mother Forest because, uh, it's scary <laughs> as hell. It does sound like a curse word you say in front of your children. It's what like the it? Black Mother Forest. Black Mother Forest. <laughs> you know what I was nope. thinking of? I, they, I, when I was in high school, I got the chance to go to Germany for a couple weeks as like an exchange trip. And we drove past the actual black forest. Yep. I was shocked that the trees were actually like the trunks were black. I was like, whoa. And maybe that's just the part it's so I saw. Damn but I was literal. Like, I've been I was to like, the Buchenwald, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. I was like, I was not expecting that. Um, and so yeah, like it's this is sort of the place that this is one place where the magic of the magic of the world is very limited, right? There's like two basic kinds of magic. One is the affinity magic, where you have this ability to sort of communicate with a worked worked material um, to some degree. And it's there's a there's a range, right? So it's like you might be like if I am a glass, if I have a glass affinity and it's just a little bit, I might be really drawn to glass blowing and I might just not make a lot of mistakes. And mm -hmm. if I have a little more, I might never make mistakes. I might always understand exactly how to make that glass perfect. It never explodes. Um, <laughs> it never has bubbles in it. Again, I don't know a lot about glass. Um, <laughs> if I'm a glass specialist, I can sort of touch it and tell you like, where did this come from? And, and, you know, are there faults and imperfections that we need to be careful with? Um, it might even get to a place where, like, I can manipulate the glass cold. Like, I can just kind of make this glass change. And then up to the point where at the other end of it, there are sorcerers who have this in abundance and constantly exist at the peak of their power. Because the affinity magic sort of cycles. Mm -hmm. uh, like, yeah. Anyway, uh, so there's a glass sorcerer in the book, Pastrata of the Glass, who can just be like, oh, a beach Boom, it's an army now. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, you just, at that point, you're like, I understand silicates in uh, molten form better than I understand people. Um, and the other one is... If we're being ahead. honest, people are far more useful, or silicates are far more useful in a molten <laughs> form than people are. <laughs> accurate. Very accurate. Yeah. Um, the uh, And then, yeah, the other one is the cold magic, which is sort of what the Borsians do, which is they go into the forest, you have to pass the trials, and you come out with what 
like boiler alert is a sort of woody fungus that is imbued with some kind of weird magic they don't really understand what it is they're like this is basically this the center of the forest gets weird and it's this is a god essentially um and that is sort of like permacharged so once they bring that to Samilla, they blend it with, you know, uh, Bemina is a huge empire. It extends off the map. Um, and they have a lot of really amazing tech they've built. Um, Kiraj is brilliant. Um, they've done tons of research into um, all manner of things, particularly into the changelings and stuff. And when these three kind of get together, they form um, a kind of tech. So there is like limited stuff like, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Some of this is, I don't want to think about how they turn on the lights. Yeah. So there are uh cold magic lamps uh mm -hmm. that you cool. that you turn on. Because because like like candles in an archive is a terrible idea. That's, We've yeah, established this like many times over. I just don't even want to deal with it. Let me ask you a question. Because once yeah. you introduce magic as a concept, you know, it, it's you it's up to you how deep you need to dig to hit it. You know what I mean? Like yep. is magic land right on the top or do you have to like scratch a little bit before you like magic? Um, did you make a conscious choice of how technological you wanted it to be versus yeah. the lights work because reasons? Yeah, like I, I definitely wanted to keep like there's a certain level of tech that you want that I wanted to keep because I just don't want to deal with the like the nitty gritty of like living in a post like a far pre-industrial world for this particular book um mm -hmm. and and then yeah a lot of it like i don't want to get into so there's uh the cold magic works on uh there's lights um there is climate control basically which means that the archives work great we can control for humidity and temperature um they have used it for uh crop um magicking which is why everybody can drink coffee and i'm oh. fine with that um and then there's also some vague references to uh using it for um being able to like kind of nudge animals in a particular way hmm. um but i haven't got into that and maybe i won't um the basically these are sort of like minor things until we can combine it with the tech However, it is all limited by the amount of cold magic, which is those little woody fungus things that you have. And uh, nobody's going back out to the Black Mother Forest and doing the trials to prove they are strong enough oh, to so bear the cold a, magic. So, a limited so it's supply. a limited resource. Exactly. So we're not going to get crazy with it because we can't have more, mm. which might have things to do with things that happen in Relics of Ruin. Mm. I don't know. My editor might read this book and go, fuck all of this. We'll ask that question later. Um, <laughs> we'll touch back I... on that in a future episode. <laughs> the it's other true. thing I love actually is um, Orizon. Um, Orizon is uh, where my knockoff tieflings are from. I joke hey. because, because they're not. Like, this is my little Orizon D. Yeah. Yeah. Because honestly, like, I did this when I. This was the thing too. Like I keep saying the phrase, follow your heart world building. Yep. And that's because the book I wrote before this, uh, I did I, I did get really rigorous and it was about stuff like, oh, where the tin mines are is what determines how this war goes. Oh, um, which like I, it is, is entertaining yeah. to me, but it's a lot of work, Yeah. right? Yep. And so, and it's work not only to make it fit together, but to convince your reader that they care about where the tin mines are. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I mean, I saying. think the Bronze Age collapse is fascinating yeah. and I would love to have a whole conversation about it, but that's not everyone. 
right? And, and this would be the part where at anyone other than you, I would say <laughs> no one gives a fuck where the 10 mines are. As See long that? as yeah. you're like, you where cannot... are they? They're over there. Can we go get them? Yes or no? Does someone else That's... want them? Yes or no? Those Do are they the already questions. have them? Right? Yes or right? no? Right, right, right. Yep. It's like these wars are based on who controls the tin. However, like, so, okay. So I think I managed to make you care a little bit about tin mines, but it also was a lot of work. And so when I finished that book, I was like, well, what do I need now? What I really missed from writing D&D novels is that, frankly, the world building in D&D is bullshit. <laughs> it is just like it is because it's cool. Yeah. Nobody stops yeah. and goes like, why are there... I mean, guys, well, they do, but they're pedantic. Um, they're space <laughs> yep. clowns, so nothing space really clowns. matters. Is what space I'm clowns saying. that live on <laughs> three worlds shaped like rings. They no, come no. from oh, no. three rings. I mean, like, they're too drunk or not drunk enough to talk about space clowns. Like, I think it's the it's second not one. Not possible to get drunk enough to make that work. <laughs> it's it's one of those things where. Um, like I just said, once you introduce magic as an option, when you dig deep enough, you're going to hit it. You know, we, we run mm -hmm. into this all the time in the world of darkness with vampire. People are like, well, why does the blood reanimate a corpse? And you're like, well, it's the curse of Cain, you know, and the, then you're, the vitae of your of your sire goes through your blood and, and, and reanimates your body. And they're like, well, but why? You're like, magic, bro. Fucking magic. Yeah. Of course. Mm -hmm. Like, why would you put blood in a corpse and the corpse come back again? Like, why would that be a thing? Like, just ask yourself that. The answer's fucking magic. Yeah. You know? Like, there's a lot of woo before we get there. You know what I mean? But you're like, how can a werewolf physically become three times larger? There's a thing called a conservation of mass. Where's the mass coming from? The umbra. What's the umbra? The spirit world. What's the spirit world? Fucking magic. That's what it is. <laughs> I do love that the way that yeah. you propose that that person thinks about it, that just one day someone was sitting there with a vial of blood and a dead body and went, huh. I wonder. <laughs> I watched a documentary about that. Uh, it was called Frankenstein, and it was <laughs> so. it's like, that's the thing, right? Like, yeah. yeah, you dig down deep enough. There's magic, so don't anchor on that bedrock because yep. it's not going to be compelling if that's the thing you're anchoring on. Yeah, that's why. I mean, and that's why I fundamentally love writing about like people problems yeah. in the world that's on the magic bedrock because, yeah, like. It, it's shaky, mm -hmm. but it's it, it, And if you're going to, um, it depends on to what extent is that what your story is about. Again, Lord of mm -hmm. the Rings, you know, the 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 Valar. Valar? I don't know. I've read it, never said it. Uh, but you're like, <laughs> they're god wizards. And you're like, all right. You right. Know what I mean? yeah, yeah. right? You couldn't <laughs> tell a vampire story that was based on like, how much blood exactly does it take in order yeah. to animate vampire yep. without changing the fundamental structure of that magic that's when you cross over from are you force sensitive yes or no to midichlorians it's like yes. now you've made it stupid that's a you very know what I mean? good example you, you're, you're trying to <laughs> add logic to something that required none like we just accepted it like oh there's a magic field that unites all living things and some people can comprehend communicate manipulate said field I, dig it got I, it. I want i want you to know b dave this is a total tangent from this the nerdiest i have ever felt was when I answered a, que a Star Wars question with Metachlorians. Because Look, one of my one of my <laughs> friends was like, Trevor, could a clone trooper ever be a Jedi? And I went, well, fuck. And they went, what? I'm like, 
No, because Jango Fett didn't have the right midichlorian count to be a Jedi, so he couldn't have. So none of the <laughs> troopers could have been Jedi. Even, ah! even, <laughs> even Timothy Zahn, when he first introduced the clones, was like, clones can't be Jedi because reasons. It just doesn't work right. You know what I mean? It's like, and then there's holes in the force, so we got these force-suppressing weasels, which really, dear listener, wasn't what it actually was. Did you actually just say force-suppressing force-suppressing weasels? I did. Hey, certain neckbeards out there are yelling at the screen right now. I'm like, bro, it was perfect literature. Don't put the old magic to me. I was there when it was written. Okay, it's just, uh, yeah. That, again, that's the thing. When when you're just sort of like these are the rules of the world mm -hmm. just adhere to those rules the more you try and say no no vitamin c the vitamin c you know today the vitamin c that is in oranges makes you bulletproof and you're like mm, doesn't no it doesn't at all mm -hmm. actually what's, now, what's you, wrong with your bullets yeah exactly <laughs> you stop know? making your bullets on a high c <laughs> do your bullets have a, a vitamin deficiency you know but the moment that you're like here's warg fruit that has just been discovered and warg fruit makes you bulletproof. You're like, dig it, warg fruit makes you bulletproof. And you're like, it's mm -hmm. because of the potassium. Nope, it isn't. No, it's not. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's <laughs> gonna um, eat so many bananas. Okay, so, <laughs> exactly. So we're actually getting towards so, the end of this episode. Okay, wait, wait, but right. here was the thing, reason yeah, I yeah. brought that up, right? So I'm like, I missed, I kind of missed the bullshit. Yeah. So I made started like out making like a Pinterest board and just grabbing things. Started out like picking things carefully. That was like suggested something. I'm like, I like that. I'm like, gonna take it. Like that. I'm gonna take it. Right. And I realized I missed my babies. Right. I missed Frida and Havilar. And I was like, you know what's not actually like copyrighted? People with horns. Yeah. That can't be. That is not. That is not protected IP. Yeah. Uh, nope. So I was like, fine, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give some people horns. Also, I gave them a third eye because reasons, mm. uh, Pinteresty bullshit reasons. Um, <laughs> so then I'm like, why do they have a third eye? Well, okay, maybe they live partly underground and this is a parietal eye, right? They can see sort of like shades of light and dark. Oh, you know what? They have infravision because I said so. Um, where would they live underground, right? And then uh i learned I, petra is fascinating uh everybody knows the treasury which is in uh indiana jones and is really mm -hmm. cool but ma'am that is a really cool the nabataeans had a cool civilization and their water systems are really badass you should look <laughs> at the water systems because good job guys um so I did that. I was like, okay, that's it. That they live like part of the time underground in this sort of like cave and uh, cave structure that they've built and and built into. That's when they use the third eye. Cool, cool. And the other thing I found out about the same time was uh, during the Reformation. The uh, and we're kind of long, so I shouldn't get into this too much. Mm -hmm. But catacomb saints. Do you guys know about catacomb saints? Catacomb well, saints. Well, now I have to know. Okay, we're just gonna make this a little long because you oh, do yeah, have let's to go. Know. I was about to this say this is like a, the the spin spinoff from Boondock Saints. <laughs> <laughs> so like during the Reformation, right? Martin Luther nails his his oh my god, how many the treatises, right? Yeah. And and everything starts to get kind of weird. And and there's this this uh, meeting, and I'm 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 forgetting names of things, and I'm so sorry. And they're like, oh no, what do we do? And one of the things that the Protestants were very loud about is that that saints relics right uh worshiping someone's thumb 
or foreskin or jawbone or whatever is weird and creepy. Yes, uh, you do. However, Most and so they're like, what do, <laughs> what do we need to do? What do we need to do to sort of pull people back to our side? And about this time, they found uh, these catacombs in Rome. Yeah. With these sort of early Christian burials. And they said, you know what? Maybe, maybe what we need to do is just double down. Maybe we just need better relics. So you find all these bodies, these skeletons, and they go around and they they first at first they're like, oh, you know, this is this says so-and-so a martyr. Okay, this one's a saint. This is a martyr, it's a saint. And so we ship it to like Eastern Europe and we have nuns decorate it in jewels and pose it. Right. And this is super. And then we say, hey, folks, come see St. Pancratius and you will get indulgences for your ticket price. And this becomes so popular that they start getting really like they're like, oh, this one has a palm leaf on it. That's a symbol of martyrdom. That one's a martyr. Uh, This one has a little ampule of blood. That was what ours were buried with. This one has a rusty spot next to it. That used to be probably an ampule. Let's do that one, too. That one's got some broken glass ampule almost certainly uh and yeah so there's this whole like industry of like shipping these skeletons out and they're and they're decorated in these amazing ways um paul kudinaris has this book called uh oh i've forgotten it heaven something i posted it on the the thread that i did about them oh Uh, my god these are wild aren't they i just googled them Heavenly bodies. That's what it's called. Okay. Um, for, for folks who don't have Google available to you right now, you know that part in the Pirates of the Caribbean ride where the skeletons covered in gold and crowns and stuff? That. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, I mean, it's, um, they are astonishing. Um, and what's fascinating is that like in the 1800s, right, you sort of have this, this, this reshift, right, where like people are coming, you know, out of, of uh, frequently out of like Western Europe and they're like, see our skeleton say, and they're like, that's fucking creepy. <laughs> and so they start getting put away. And so at this, in this book, which is really interesting, you know, he, he shows you places where there are these churches and they still have them. They're just stored in the basement under the chairs because that's very weird. Oh, Jesus. And then there's other ones where they're like, no, actually, let's embrace this. Uh, here's St. Notburga. Ta-da! Double down. Uh, and, and it's, I just find it really interesting. So this was my idea that the Orizonic, so the idea is that, uh, so sorcerers, the, the people with the affinity magic that mm-hmm. are way over there, um, when they die, their flesh transmutes. It turns into the thing they have an affinity oh. for, which is real fucking weird if you're a bone sorcerer, I'm just going to say. Oh, that's cool. But it leaves <laughs> the bones behind. <laughs> God damn it, <laughs> <laughs> that was my nickname in college. Uh, and, <laughs> and the thing for the Horizonte is that... specialist was college. Was bone sorcerer. <laughs> So you come into a week and a half ago. (laughs) (laughs) So that yeah, so they they like the the, for the Orizondi, the sorcerers, they're not like for a lot of these cultures, they all have different kind of ideas of how do you deal with this person who's clearly like way over there in the weird scale. And some of them are like, Yeah, so you need to go live out in the desert and we'll bring you uh food. And you give us the things you make, and those are lucky. And some of them are like, guess what makes the best human sacrifice? It's you! (laughs) And some of them are like, hello, I am the king, and you are the perfect weapon. Please make me a glass army. And when I say please, I mean not please do it right now. 
but for the Orzandi, the sorcerers are sort of like the conduit between the material world and the world of the gods, right? And so they are treated like saints. And when they die and all their flesh and muscles falls off and turns into like whatever paint or pottery or glass, uh, the bones are left behind and they decorate them and they hmm. put them they put them in little chapels. So when they fled, they brought these with them. They're very important. And so in the archives, there is a chapel of the skeleton saints um, where all of these uh, skeletons are posed and preserved although some of them because they did not actually make it out of the canyons with all of them some of them were uh replicas created by a, a wood source or wood saint uh saint kilbot of the cedar made duplicates so some of them are wooden skeletons that's metal as later. fuck <laughs> yeah that's pretty metal I love <laughs> okay it. so that's my other favorite and i'll stop okay um <laughs> The, the thing that I love about this is like I still feel like we barely scratched the surface of it and like Possibly. that's fantastic. But in two weeks you'll get to scratch the surface yourself. Yeah. Um well uh as the as my timer hits uh fifty nine minutes, I think that's a great place for us to oh, wrap that's up this so episode. Bad. I yeah. was afraid I dragged us way late. No, you're no. doing good. Uh well, uh friends, where can people find you? And what awesome things are you working on? And uh go uh in five Excels right now. But uh, Aaron, you say that too. <laughs> uh you can find me on Twitter at Aaron M. Evans. Uh you can if you're in the Seattle area, please uh come join me at University Bookstore on November 8th for the release of Empire of Exiles. Uh, which you can pre-order wherever you like. Although I do recommend University Bookstore because they are hosting my book launch and they're yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Uh, B. Dave Walters, I say words about things. Literally, Aaron M. Evans, biggest fan. <laughs> uh, also, uh, biggest fan of Empire of Exiles, which is available in two weeks, available for pre-order right now. You absolutely should get it and read it. And uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. And uh, everything Aaron says and does is correct. Uh, and I am Trevor Bettis. I am one of Aaron's many 511 fans. Um, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at the Trevor. There's an A hiding in there, and you can see all the times that I retweet Aaron's book, Empire of Exiles, which you should pre-order right now, available November 8th. <laughs> uh, but I, I think that's a good place to wrap up this episode. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, the best way to support is by leaving a review on your podcast service of choice and telling your friends about the show. And I know you have been, because people keep popping up and saying hey i listened to your show and it's wild to see that so thank you for listening especially you people on on the nanoramo subreddit you know who you are thank you very much oh that's exciting um and uh and yeah if uh you'd like to have your questions uh topic suggestions or anything else like that talked about on the show you can send those into writing about dragons and shit at gmail.com and if you'd like to keep up to date on the show you can follow us on twitter at about dragons but until next week go right about some dragons and shit Oh. <laughs>